Hey everybody, Krista Smith here. I am so excited. This is a podcast takeover thanks to Havila trusting me with this segment. And I'm so excited to be with the Truth to Table community. It is such an honor. Today I'm gonna be talking to you about singled out in a couple's world. I am passionate about the topics of singleness and what it is to be single, to be an empowered single. And I'm passionate about it because I've lived it. For some of you that don't know my story, I don't know if you heard the last podcast that Havila and I did together, but I shared a bit of my story, but just a simple recap. You know, I didn't get married until I was 39 years old. And I ended up walking out the journey of singleness from 19 years old till I got married, which was 39 years old, three months before I turned 40. And I want you to know, just like God wrote my story, I believe God is writing your story. Today, I want to break down what does that look like to walk a life from shifting from waiting for God to bring your husband to actually begin to live your life. I really want to hit the topic of removing the pause button from your life and allowing God to write a story through you, that one that you maybe never even dreamed of, but it's even better than you hoped for. And I just want to share a little bit about myself so you can get to know me a little bit better before we dive in and kind of break down some lessons that I learned in my personal walk and my personal journey in hopes to encourage you in yours. You know, for those of you that don't know, And I shared it just a minute ago, but I didn't start dating or fall in love with my husband till I was 38 years old. As I shared just a moment ago, I didn't actually get married until I was 39 years old. And I always have to add that part only three months before I turned 40. So almost the entire 30s decade of my life, I was single. And actually prior to dating Sean, a lot of people don't know this, I'd actually never even been in love. I'd never told a guy I loved him or even in a serious relationship. I was actually the girl that was always always the bridesmaid, never the bride. In fact, I had been a bridesmaid 13 times. And actually, I know Havila beat me in this, which I gladly give her the title of most a bridesmaid. I believe she was a bridesmaid 16 times. I was only a bridesmaid 13 times. But the point is, I was involved in over 20 weddings. And honestly, that's being conservative. So when I actually watched the movie 27 Dresses for the first time, I have to say it was a bit too close to home. And I was like, okay, that movie is rude. All right. You know, and I was also the girl that my friends were scanning the baptism tank for possible suitors. And they would say, Hey, Krista, he's saved. And I'm like, you guys, he's been clean for 24 hours. You know, because I was a single female pastor for 13 years, I've lost count of the awkward church matchmaking moments where my singleness was put on full blast. And I was advertised as if I was for sale. True story, you guys. I was on staff at a church. There was about 1,500 people in attendance. It was an annual conference. This is obviously pre-COVID. It was many years ago for that matter. There was a couple thousand people watching the conference online streaming. And my senior pastor at that time called me up And he began to tell the congregation everything that he loved about me and why I would be a great wife, why I'd be a suitable mate for someone. And then proceeded to say there were applications available in the front foyer. I want you to, I have literally never been so humiliated. So now when I pastored for 13 years and when I'm an itinerant minister, like I am today, you'll never see me, you know, have the singles stand and raise their hand, you know, believing for a mate or a date, uh, because I know just how embarrassing that is. 
Now, just a few more facts about me, just so you know why I understand your journey of singleness. It's because I've had probably a half a dozen men tell me that God told me I was their wife and that was in our first conversation. Now, why do I share all of these funny stats with you, all this information about myself with you? I simply share it with you as a truth to table community. I want you to know for those that are single, I get singleness. I get your process and I understand what it is to trust God with the timing of your life. You see, you and I live in a society where it's all about relationships. Did you know that online dating is actually a billion, I said that with a B, a billion dollar industry. It's a major money maker. It's because everyone is obsessed with being in a relationship. Majority of songs that we listen to, uh, media, film, TV shows, advertising even is about people getting together, who they have a crush on, who they're trying to hook up with, breaking up, and maybe even who sadly they're divorcing. It's all about people's relationship status. And so we have to understand that when the first thing that you meet, you meet someone new for the first time, what do they ask you? They say, what do you do for a living? Are you married? Do you have kids? You know, there's constantly a message as a single person that you're being bombarded with. And that message is you need to be in a relationship. But here's the challenge. We live in a society where they are so obsessed with relationships that now singleness becomes undesirable. Singleness is now viewed as a negative. And I want you to know nothing could be further from the truth. Not only is that not God, it's not truth. And I believe there's some people here today that need to hear the simple statement of being single is not a bad thing. Being single is not a curse. And in fact, I want to encourage you that as you've been waiting on God, in the area of singleness, many of you have felt even challenged because, you know, 2020 for many single people felt like a bit of a lost year because you didn't have opportunity to meet someone or, or, you know, start a relationship. And I want you to know it is not a lost year. And I want to encourage you do not bail on the process of waiting for God's best. Do not fall into the temptation of settling because you don't want to be alone because you've caved or come underneath that belief system that everything is about you being in a relationship. Friends, the only relationship that is the most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that I have walked out what it is to trust God with my relationship status. I learned what it is for God to be my source, my companion, my refuge, my defender, my husband, my everything. And that became my greatest gift when God did in fact bring a husband in my life. But I want you to know there were some key lessons of what I learned that shifted me from a place of waiting to a place of contentment. As I shared on the podcast, when I was with Havila, God took me through a journey and it was about a year and a half process of what it was to be content and yet contending for the promises of God. So when I talk about what it is to be content in your singleness, it doesn't mean you're not believing for the promises of God. It doesn't mean you're not believing for the spouse. Quite opposite. It's saying, Hey God, I believe that if you want to do that, if that's a part of my story, then I believe you're going to do it, but I'm also not going to forfeit the joy and the blessing and in the enjoyment of my current season of singleness. So I want to encourage you. These are things that I had to push through in order to tap in to the contentment 
of singleness. You know, so many singles people get caught up in the trap of negatively looking at their singleness. First and foremost, I know there's a lot of single people that believe your singleness is a curse. I want to tell you, let's establish this right now. Your singleness is not a curse. Okay. So maybe you made some bad decisions. Maybe there were some things that took place that were not God's best, or were not even in alignment with what God wanted to do in your life. But friends, let us not forget who our God is. Can God not fully redeem and restore every single part of your life? I want you to know it doesn't matter why or where you find yourself in the journey of singleness, whether you've chosen to be single or whether you find yourself single, not by choice. I want you to know your singleness is not a curse, but it's an invitation. It's an invitation to go deeper in the things of God. It's an invitation to come into a greater place of who you are in Christ Jesus. Understand that you are a son, you are a daughter of God and to know who you are in Christ Jesus. I know there were so many people that viewed my singleness as a positive in my life pre 35 years old. But when I, you know, aged above 35 and I turned, you know, 36, 37, and even 38, many people that had been believing for me, even giving me encouraging words like Krista, this is your year. God's going to bring your husband. God's going to bring your spouse. They were full of faith for me. But when I turned 35, all of a sudden it's like their faith evaporated. And then they begin to ask me questions like, do you even want to get married? Are you called to celibacy? And, and I found myself in this place that I realized I had to view whether or not people viewed my singleness as negative or positive. It was irrelevant. It was all about how I viewed it. And I begin to view my singleness as a blessing and not a curse. I viewed my singleness as an opportunity to fully go after God, to have the the full freedom to immerse myself in the things of God and to fully come into a new revelation of who I am in God. So I want to encourage you, let's not view our singleness as a curse, but let's view it as you are smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. The second thing I really want to quickly hit is for us to not view as your single years as merely filler years. Friends, they're not just the filler years until you get married. They're not just the in-between. They're just not the liminal space right? Liminal space is simply referring to the in-between, the hallways of your life. You're going from one thing to the next thing. Your single years are not filler years. They're not the hallway. You're not just waiting until you get to the next thing. I think there's such a temptation just to view them as they're just the filler years until you can get married, to have the children, to have the family, to, you know, build that nonprofit, to start that business, to do that thing. Like we begin to put, um, you know, a pause button in our lives. But when you view that your single years are actually not filler years, but your single years are actually years that are intended to be lived in the fullness. And there is a uniqueness that we're able to live like in our single years, because I knew that I could take more financial risks because it was just me. I knew that I could travel around the world and maybe, you know, not accept that job that maybe paid really well, but I could travel the nations and I could preach the gospel, whether I was being paid for it or not, because it was just me. There was a freedom to pursue the call of God on my life, to take risks, to live out the bucket list dreams and desires of things I'd always want to do because it was just me. I believe when you understand that your single years are not filler years, but they're actually some of maybe your best years in the sense of they actually develop you into who you're called to be. I believe they can be some of the years that are your greatest 
blessings. So I want to answer some questions with you on this podcast that I'm often asked when I'm teaching singles, you know, because this has been my journey, my story, and many of you know that I'm releasing my first book called Singled Out in a Couple's World this coming September, I often get asked to speak to single groups. And there's the very similar questions that get asked to me over and over again. And I wanted to answer those questions because I believe as a listener, you might have these questions too. The first question I often get asked are, what are some of the key? that helped you find contentment in being single. Friends, I want to tell you, that in order for me to really step into what it was to be content, that means satisfied, fulfilled in my singleness, happy, joyful, at rest and at peace in my singleness, there were some key things, decisions, and choices I had to make. The first one I had to do was I had to push through my own personal timelines and expectations. And what I mean by that is this, you know, I was looking around and all my friends, or at least I should say a lot of my friends were getting married out of college. They met their husband in college, they begin to have kids or, you know, they were getting married in their twenties and they were having kids for sure by their thirties. And I saw all these people in my life that I loved that I had done life with that were checking off all these various boxes of what I call kind of the natural maturation of maturity of what it is to become adult and what society says is normal. And I looked around and I wasn't living then a normal life. Everyone was checking the boxes and I hadn't even checked my first box. So I had to make a very intentional choice of choosing to say, okay, there's not anything wrong with me. I haven't missed it. And my standards are not too high because let me tell you that gets challenged a lot. That certainly got challenged with me that my standards were too high and that people, you know, really wanted me to, um, you know, kind of follow the timelines. And I even realized I had timelines. I had expectations before I could find a place of contentment, friends, I had had to push through my timeline. I had to realize, come to peace, come to terms that I wasn't going to get married in my twenties. There was a good chance I wasn't going to get married in my thirties. I ended up getting married the last year of my thirties, but there was much of that decade in my thirties that I was like, okay, there's a good chance. I'm not going to get married in my thirties. And I had to be okay with not looking like everyone else. I had to be okay with the timeline of my life being different than those around me. See, I believe that our God, is the author of our lives. He has a pen in his hand, right? He's writing out the plans and the purposes of our life. And I believe there is such a temptation as the length of your single years may go on longer than you'd hoped for. There's a temptation to take that pen out and begin to write it yourself. And I want you to know one of the choices I had to do was leave the pen, leave the timeline, leave what God has orchestrated for my life in his hands and not take matters into my own hands. And that doesn't mean you don't steward, you don't partner with God because God isn't looking for puppets. He's looking for empowered sons and daughters to partner with him. But I was making a conscious choice. I was making an intentional decision to say, God, I'm going to let you keep the pin of my life, the timeline of my life. You write my story. I trust you with it. Yes, my life looks different. Yes, what I expected hasn't come to pass. Yes, the timelines that I thought of, you know, the various things that I had hoped would happen have not happened. And yet I still trust you, God, and I still believe that you're good. And so I had to make that intentional choice to stay in the place of content 
contentment. And for that matter, to even access, to even step into contentment, to really live in a place of contentment with my singleness, I had to let go of timelines and expectations that I had personally created. The second thing I had to do, and again, we're talking about keys that helped me find contentment in being single. The second key that I really had to live out was again, pushing through other people's timelines, expectations. That was my mom and dad's, my siblings, my best friends, all of them had the best intentions for me. Of course, they too quietly, silently had expectations and timelines when they thought I'd get married, have kids, build that family or do this or do that. And I found myself not wanting to disappoint those that I loved so dearly. I didn't want to disappoint my family and friends. So when the timelines, when years are passing by for the, for that matter, when decades are passing by, I am finding myself having to let go and push through and lay in the hands of Jesus, just saying, okay, God, like I don't have control over this. And I refuse to take control because I'm going to trust you with the timeline of my life. So I had to push through my own timelines, push through my expectations. And then I had to push through other people's because I want you to know, being in your late thirties, there's a lot of people that then will put their conclusions on you as to why you're single. And it's because they don't understand your journey. Now, let me share a story with you that really illustrates this point. I feel like really well, I had a pastor in my twenties that I really looked up to and admired. And this person really discipled me for a lot of areas of my life. And they're a wonderful person. And I still am so grateful for everything they poured into my life. But because this person got married really, really young, they had a belief system in their life that because they got married young, everyone should get married young. Well, that clearly wasn't my story. And even in my twenties, when this person was really involved in my life, I wasn't married. Well, they just didn't understand that. And they didn't understand that I wasn't trying to make it happen. They didn't understand that I wasn't out there dating all these people, but I really was at a place of peace and rest. Did you know that your peace and your singleness, your rest of your singleness can actually irritate those that have maybe the best interest for you? They love you and they're for you, but because they don't understand you and because they don't understand your story, your story looks very different than their story. They try to create scenarios or conclusions and they project that on you. And that's exactly what happened with me. This person, because they didn't understand why I was at such peace in being single, they didn't understand why I was waiting, not trying to make it happen. And my story was so different than their story. They came to the conclusion that I clearly must have issues with men. That's why I was single. So here I am in the middle of a worship service. This person interrupts me in the middle of a worship service. And they say, I know why you're single. You have issues with men. Well, I was devastated. I was like, wait, what? And then of course you and I know all of us have blind spots. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, they say this over me and they walk away. I'm left with this statement. You have issues with men. I respect this person. This person has major weight in my life. I value their voice. I really value their opinion. So them saying this to me really jarred me. It shook me. It threw me off. I went out of the service. I call my parents and I'm very close to my dad. And I told them what just happened. I was like, is there any truth in this? My dad assured me there wasn't truth. I was on staff at a church at that time. And I went to my senior pastor who had very good relationship with. And I, I explained this scenario. I said, this person said this to me that I have issues with men. Have you ever seen this in me? He's like, I've never seen that in you, Krista. You don't have issues with men. You very much celebrate and, you know, admire, respect men. And I was like, gosh, that's what I thought. And then I went to the quiet time with the Lord and the Lord spoke to me something very life-changing to me. He said, Krista, people will not understand your journey. Therefore they will create false conclusions 
over your life and over the life you're choosing to live because they don't understand what it is to wait on me to write your story. And you know that I've called you to be set apart. You know that I've called you to wait in your singleness and let me orchestrate if I'm going to bring you a spouse or not. And just because they don't understand it, don't receive what they're trying to project on you. Be confident that even though your life looks different, push through their expectations, push through their conclusions, push through their opinions, push through their timelines and recognize it's not true and be confident that you're smack dab in the middle of my will. And when God spoke that to me, friends, I want you to know it set me free. It made me realize, you know what? It's not my responsibility to meet the expectations or the timelines of myself or even other people or, or even of society. The only thing I'm putting on myself is to be rooted and grounded in God and to be surrendered to his timelines and his process. That's the safest place we can be. The third key for me that really helped me tap into the place of contentment in being single was understanding and I hit it a little bit at the beginning, was being fully present with the now of my life. Another way to say that is removing the pause button from your life. You know, I realized in my singleness, there were some things that I had put on hold that I was kind of quietly waiting for marriage in order to do that. One of those was, you know, moving to a different state and accepting this job that I possibly wanted to take. And the Lord's like, why are you waiting? And I was like, oh, I didn't want to make that move single. God's like, you're not, you're not alone, Krista. I'm with you. So I'm made that move. I took that new job. And then, you know, I, I bought a condo again. I was going to wait and buy a home. My first home experience was going to be with my husband. I thought, and God's like, no, I want you to live your life now. And when I begin to kind of shake off that mentality, that false belief system that I had to put parts of my life on hold, the dreams in my heart, the going fully after God, the taking God risks in my life. And all of a sudden I became fully present with living my life in the moment. I stopped just so focusing on the future. I think so many times as single people we're so focused on the future that we're not connected to the present. And I want to encourage you in order to find contentment in your singleness, you got to remove the pause button of your life, start living your life so that you're present with the now. And in that I realize, and this is my fourth key in finding contentment and singleness. And I feel like this is going to be a huge aha, maybe for some of you that are listening. It's when I surrendered everything that I just talked about before. When I surrendered my timelines, when I surrendered expectations that I'd put on myself, that other people put on me, when I surrendered the pause button, and I just said, okay, God, I'm all in. Like there's no more hesitancy. There's no more caution within me. Like I'm just going to go for it. All of a sudden it broke desperation. It broke fear. And I experienced a deeper place of rest. And I experienced a deeper place of peace. When we understand there is power in surrender, we can tap into a new level of contentment. Because if I have a true belief system, which I do, that God is writing my story, that God is a good and faithful father, that he's going to come through, through everything that he has promised in his word, everything he has spoken to me, everything that he's prophesied to me, I can have a full confidence that I'm not going to miss one thing because when I know I am in full pursuit of Jesus, which I am, and I even was then throughout my life, I've been in full pursuit of Jesus. And I believe that if you're listening today, you can have a confidence when you're in active relationship with God, you're seeking God, you're pursuing God, you're praying 
praying. You're like, okay, God, I'm all in. You're not going to miss one thing. Therefore, there is such a power in the posture of surrender. There is a greater place of rest and peace. Anxiety is broken. Fear is broken. And even the D word desperation is broken because you know, God is going to bring to pass everything in which he has promised in your life. The last key that I really discovered in my journey of singleness in order to be content was allowing the Lord to change my perspective of my singleness. I really realized that as I discovered the freedom, the joy, the opportunity that came in being single, it began to change my confession. And why am I going after this? Because so many times we want God to bless areas that we're complaining about. You and I know that there is power of life and death in our tongue. So we can't expect an area of our life to be blessed if we're sitting there complaining about it. So I begin to shift my confession. I was like, God, thank you so much that you've given me the space and the opportunity. You've given me these years to go deeper in you. You've given me the opportunity to have freedom to fully pursue you. And I can just go in fully after you. There was such a joy that as I begin to declare that, as I begin to decree that, as I begin to confess that all of a sudden my perspective began to shift. I begin to view my single years as a blessing and not a curse. They begin to become positive and not negative. I hope those simple five keys help you in discovering what it is to be content in your singleness. I do believe it's possible. Yes, you can still contend for the promises of God, but I believe there's something about being content in the now. The second question I want to hit with you today is what are the main lessons you learned in your years of singleness? Again, this is a question I'm often asked when I'm talking about singles. There's just a couple things I want to quickly hit. But one of the main lessons I learned in my years of being single was I was not waiting to be chosen, but I choose. I think there is such a culture within the church, but even in our society, especially for women that we're kind of told to look cute, you know, have the right figure, wear the right outfit, say the right thing, you know, do this, do that in order to entice a suitor, in order to be appealing or attractive for someone to pursue you. And I want to tell you, you are an empowered single. And if someone pursues you, you have no obligation to accept any date or, you know, advances uh, from someone pursuing you, but rather you have to have the posture. Are they good enough for me? Are they God's best for me? When I shifted from waiting to be seen, waiting to be noticed, because I found myself just hoping I could catch a guy's attention. Then I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I'm actually a great catch. Friends that are listening today, you're a great catch. I want you to know you choose. Is that person worth your time? Is that person worth opening up your life and bringing them into your life that's blessed, that is sanctified by God for an anointed woman, an anointed man of God? You choose who you marry. You choose who your relationship in. Now, everything I'm saying is in connection of being in relationship with Jesus, but I believe there's an empowered place we're called to live in that so many of us forget we have an authority in that area. And again, I just want to say it over you. You're not waiting to be chosen. You choose. The second lesson that I learned in my years of singleness was I had to be willing to let God be outside the box. I kept wanting to box God. I was like, okay, my husband's probably going to be like this. He's going to look at this. He's probably going to have this kind of job. And I had this whole kind of fantasy I had created over to what God looked like. And I realized as I walked out, even God bringing Sean into my life, that God broke my box. And it was the best thing that God could have ever done. I had this very small in a sense, 
visual of what I thought God was going to do. God brought me above and beyond. And that's what God wants to do in you. So many times the boxes we create are much smaller. They're not even nearly as good as what God actually wants to do in the natural. And so I always encourage people, allow God to break the box. And that includes this. And I know this might challenge some people, but in the Christian world, specifically when we're talking about spouses, everyone has a list. And I laugh because there's some people that have lists and they're crazy. They're like, he has this color eyes. He has this color hair. He has this job. He drives this car. He lives in this neighborhood. I mean, it's crazy. I'm like, friends, this is not like name it and claim it. Your spouse is not like an order at Starbucks. Come on now. I mean, I think that your list should include things that are non-negotiable, like a man or a woman fully going after God, like fully living for God, like a person that lives generously with their time, with who they are, with their finances, someone that's kind and patient, that has the fruit of the spirit. Like, you know, someone's you, you can trust them. They're confidential they're trustworthy. You know, they're going to be a great father. They're responsible with finances. I mean, I'm talking about like, those are non-negotiables. Yes. But I'm saying rip up your list. I think there's so many times people have this like very odd perception and they miss out on really great people because they don't match the, the attributes that they've listed on their list. Friends, your spouse is not a Starbucks order. You're not going to maybe have it your way per se, but you might even have it better than what you hoped because that's who our God is. Our God's always above and beyond what we could hope for because that's who what that's who God is. God is so much greater than what we could have thought. And so, you know, these are just some lessons that I learned. And I think that they're lessons that could really set people free and really help kind of remove the constraints and the limitations to what we put on God. And I also want to just say to you, those that are really open and wanting to be in a relationship, I want to encourage you stop trying to figure out if this is your spouse the very first time you meet them. I think in the Christian world, it's always like, well, I don't see it. Can I just encourage you just be open, have coffee, have a conversation, know what it is just to have a healthy friendship with someone of the opposite gender. Those are some basic lessons that I learned of just being open to God writing my story. Because I know that sometimes when God writes your story, it's not at all like you thought it'd be written, but it's actually so much better. I want to end this podcast with a couple of last minute thoughts that I feel like could just remind you of the value of your years of singleness. Don't forget, use your time, your years of singleness for God to heal you and to actually take your relationship with him even deeper. So many of us want a healed, healthy, and whole marriage, right? But we're not healed, healthy, and whole ourselves. Friends, it won't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you're not healed, healthy, and whole as an individual, you're not going to have a healed, healthy, and whole marriage. I believe that if you steward your health, if you steward your identity, you steward your relationship with God, you deal with the self-sabotaging stuff. You go after those generational curses. You go after, you know, the the cycles that you see in your life. And you're like, I'm going to get fully free. And if that includes counseling, if that includes inner healing classes, if that includes having accountability in your life and allowing people to really speak into your process, whatever it takes, but get tenacious over the freedom of your life. Because I want you to know, Sean and I both went after the areas of our life that needed healing. And I believe we have a healthy, healed and whole marriage, but it's because of what we stewarded as individuals in the Lord before we got married. I believe, yes, healing can come in your marriage. Absolutely. God's not looking for us to be perfected, but I do believe there's a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors that we can eliminate 
and not have to have those hard initial years of marriage. How many times have we heard in marriage, oh, your first years are so hard. Did you know that you can actually avoid that by actually getting in your single years, contentment, joy, getting rooted and grounded in who you are. You can actually bypass all that heartache by simply stewarding your years of singleness. And then let's take it even a step farther. The decision you make to marry someone, if you decide to get married, if God brings that person into your life is actually going to be made from a healed, healthy, and whole place. You're not trying to get yourself completed because you're already and completed in Christ Jesus. See, I understood that I was already whole, that I was already completed in Christ because I had already done the work in my single years. So when I was making a decision to marry Sean, I knew he wasn't going to complete me. He was simply going to compliment me. Some of you single people are waiting to be completed. You've already been completed by the finished work of the cross of what Jesus did for you. Access that completed work of Christ in your life. So you're looking for a companion. You're looking for a compliment to your life, but you're not looking for someone to complete you in your life. I want to encourage you that even in sometimes the longing years of singleness. I know you can get tired. You can get weary, but friends don't settle for the Ishmael when God wants to bring the Isaac. You know, Ishmael and Isaac, they were both boys. They smelled like boys. They played like boys. They acted like boys. Everything about them in the natural eye looked the same, but I felt like someone needed to hear this today. You know, the only reason you know the difference between Ishmael and Isaac was one was God made and one was man made. You and I, we know that if God is going to bring marriage into our life, we want it to be God made, not man made. And the only way you know the difference between those two choices those two guys was being connected to God and hearing God's voice. I want to encourage you that in your years of singleness, in this time of singleness, what a gift you've been given, don't look at it as a curse, but look at it as an invitation to wait on God, to trust in God, because I believe actually your single years can be the anchor point for the rest of your life. You can actually set yourself up however your life unfolds to live a life fully empowered, fully embracing what God is doing and fully living from a place of joy, contentment, and fulfillment. If you want to continue this conversation with me, I'm releasing again my book in September 2021 called Singled Out in a Couple's World. I want to invite you to continue the conversation of what it is to live a life fully fulfilled regardless of your relationship status. And you can get connected with me on Instagram by Mrs. Krista Smith. You can also find me on our website. My husband, Sean and I, it's called seanandkristasmith.com. Connect with me. I want to go on this journey with you because I I believe the best is ahead, but I don't want you to forfeit the present of what God is doing now. Mm-hmm.